0: We thought, yes, we'll help you. We'll raise 200 pounds for a hand dug well. This should be quite straightforward. And then after several (laughs) calls, we realized that actually the scale of the problem was much bigger. We were not experts in this area, but we did the research and we surrounded ourselves with people who could advise. We ended up actually raising 50,000 pounds. It was not what we were expecting. I think a lot of our contemporaries at the time thought we were crazy.
1: Welcome to Beeline, a podcast brought to you by The Hive Change Consultancy and hosted by its CEO, Andrew Tilling. My name's Gemma Aston, and I'm part of the leadership team at The Hive. Our job is to serve leaders like you who are committed to making a positive impact. I've put together this podcast series and invited some passionate and knowledgeable changemakers to help us find the Beeline. The simplest way to bridge the gap between pain points and solutions and to give you the resources to support your leadership journey. Beeline, lead the way.
2: I think everybody listening to Beeline can relate to the idea of wanting to make a positive impact. But how do we know that the impact that we're making is indeed a positive one and not a negative one? What can start as good intentions uh, can very quickly leave people feeling marginalized and disempowered. It's a challenge. At the heart of that challenge is the idea of communication. Are we truly ensuring that the stories and the needs of the people that we are looking to support are truly being represented at the level where decisions are being made? Now, BBC media action is the BBC's charity that looks to improve the communication of stories and insights and news uh, that can really touch millions of people's lives around the world joe zv green is the head of corporate partnerships at bbc media action but her story goes back much further to being a young student leaving university looking to go and make a difference to being the founder and trustee for dig deep Dot org dot an organization that is working out of bomet county in kenya um, where eight out of ten people lack access to clean water safe toilets and good hygiene they're working with the kenyan government local businesses and communities to transform access providing well, opportunities to improve health education and livelihoods um, for up to a million residents of the county i've known joe for a very long time and i knew her just before she started this journey, and to reconnect with her two decades later to to really see the impact of that journey is a truly inspiring one. So it is my great pleasure to invite Joe Zivi Green onto Beeline today. Hello, Joe.
0: Hi, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me here. It's good to see you again and to reconnect, as you say, after all these years.
2: You've had quite a journey. I, I, I'd i really like to explore that with you, if you don't mind, and. Um, Kind of take us back to this point where uh, you've you've made this this huge decision to get involved in helping a community really quite far from home. So how did that come about and, and what happened from there?
0: Well, it's an interesting story, and it's quite nice actually to take the time and have a step back to to think about it again. The journey of the Deep has been incredible and it has definitely not turned out how I originally expected it would um so I met a friend um called Pete when we were between college and university we met in Tanzania teaching English and we came to a point where we were finishing university in the UK and we thought what are we going to do with our lives that big <laughs> question <laughs> I wasn't convinced that my university degree was really going to lead me into any particular employment, having done English and American studies. And I thought this is an opportunity for us to um, utilise our time and our energy and our enthusiasm for the greater good. You know, we wanted to have some sort of impact, you know, a small impact on something that was new to us. So we looked at our networks um, and we started talking to people to understand if there were any opportunities that we could get involved with. We were put in touch with Agnes Pareo, who was UN Woman of the Year at that time, the first female Maasai counsellor who lives and works in Kenya. And she, she has a rescue centre for girls escaping early marriage and FGM, female genital mutilation. And she was really interested in water and she was looking for support in ensuring that there were accessible water stations for her communities. That was really interesting for us to understand what the repercussions were of that, because it's the women and girls who collect the water in Massai communities. So they're often wa- walking hours or days, in fact. Because of that, they miss out on an education. And it limits their prospects, it limits their ability to create their own livelihoods, it limits their family. And she wanted to protect these girls. So we thought, yes, we'll help you, we'll raise £200 for a hand-dug well. This should be quite straightforward. And then after (laughs) several calls, we realised that actually the scale of the problem was much bigger for the area that she was looking at, you know, it was going to involve drilling a borehole, extracting the water, you know, more of a, a technical side than we had first envisaged. We were not experts in this area, but we did the research and we surrounded ourselves with people who could advise. And we ended up actually raising £50,000 and going out and 50, doing these projects. Uh, from
2: 200 (laughs) pounds to 50,000 I mean that's a huge leap.
0: it was not what we were expecting I think a lot of our contemporaries at the time thought we were crazy we were leaving university you know hoping to raise 25,000 pounds that could be a deposit on a house people were getting stable employment um, but we were going off to do this unusual project we arrived in Kenya and As is the way, you know, there's some miscommunication along the way. You know, it turns out that there were actually two communities that needed support. There were some NGOs who were operating that area. But I think Agnes's main priority was to get support, whoever it was from. Mm. We were there to support her mission, to support the communities that needed access to water. And so we looked to collaborate with other NGOs who were operating to see if we could be more effective working together. And we started a series of discussions with the communities around what the best approach would be to getting water for their communities, because we were coming at it from quite a different perspective. So at that time, sustainability wasn't talked about as much, there was a real focus on diesel generators, on a quick fix, on low implementation costs. And we were coming at it saying, hang on a minute, let's just think about it. Can we utilise wind turbines, for example? You know, can we look at community rainwater harvesting? What can we do that's going to be more sustainable, not just for the environment, but for the communities? Um putting infrastructure in place that wouldn't break down as often, that wouldn't cost as much Mm. for them to maintain, how we encourage communities to take ownership for um, the projects that were there and ensure that they were able to maintain it moving forward, but also not walk away, that they knew that there was somewhere they could go to if they needed support or advice. Um, it sounds like
2: a cascade of problems It's quite kind of like your, your an interesting
0: <laughs> time I think yeah. it definitely um, pulled on our problem solving <laughs> techniques, right um, and also I mean this was 15 years ago so as a female in that environment it was quite unusual for women to be standing up in community meetings talking about um, options that would impact the community that would those discussions would normally be had in all male groups. But having been probably quite a shy child, <laughs> I had managed to overcome that and was able to engage with the community and talk with them. And actually us and, and some of the other NGOs we were working with ended up almost pitching to the community so they could make their own informed decision about which route to go down and Mm. we did go down the sustainable route in the end and the other NGOs that we were working with actually took that on board and started adapting their processes and their approach moving forward so
2: so a couple of kids just fresh out of uni have just changed the strategy for the NGOs in your area
0: which sounds a bit crazy to say it like that. But we did feel a little bit out of our comfort zone. But it was about bringing some new ideas, opening up conversations, questioning the way that things had been done, talking about new ideas. It was such an interesting time and really valuable for me as far as understanding those communities, understanding their motivations, Understanding the way they communicate, and actually that has fed into my later career as far as understanding behaviour change, communication involved for behaviour change, and that's what you know dig deep's all about. Ultimately, yes, you've got the infrastructure there, but people need to know how to use it, or why they should use it, or you know why it's important to wash your hands or build your own toilets. Um, And I think that was the beginning of the journey. For me, and we made strong relationships with government, with schools, with businesses in the area. And when we came back, we didn't want to lose those, so we didn't necessarily start out um, expecting that this would be a long term vision. But we came back and we thought, how can we keep these relationships alive? We know that there's a need. There's a really big need, and we know how that need can be met. We just need to galvanize support for it. And so, Dig Deep really started out as a volunteer led organization. And it was students, you know, we called on students to continue the work. And we've had various iterations of growth over the years, but we have had hundreds of thousands of volunteers who have raised money for dig deep by doing international challenges and, and and various other activities and i think there is a real exciting energy that comes from students and mm-hmm. i think that's a really nice place to start from and the volunteers we've had over the years have just been exceptional and have really driven the organisation forward and that is why we're where we are today. I think we have volunteers who have been so inspired by the cause, by the vision and that energy has been infectious. You know they've brought other people on board, we have had a number of employees who have been volunteers, we've even had a trustee who stepped down from trusteeship to work for the charity We've had staff relocate to Kenya. It just blows me away, the commitment to the organisation, the enthusiasm for it that we've had from people involved with Dig Deep. And it's that energy that's really kept it going. And I think the heart of it is really around building trust, building those relationships, working with integrity everything we do it's not something that we've told people that they have to work in an ethical way it's just been part of the way that we've developed and grown we've always thought about what is the impact are we doing things in the best way possible even if it's not the easiest way we've always made decisions that we know that we can you know sleep well at night
2: (laughs) it sounds like there's that difference between caring about a problem and showing that you care about a problem. And I say it's easy to fly on in and build a well, but it's clearly not, right? <laughs> um, but it's quite something else to empower a community to drive its own change to put with support and, and and the ability to also enable people who want to be part of that change, which can be, I imagine, quite a wild beast to tame in some ways because, you know, I, as anybody who's managed or led a volunteer-based organization, managing and leading the volunteers is often the biggest, you know, time focus yeah. um, for yeah. for that person. So I really respect the deep commitment to that change. And I hear what you're saying about creating behavioural change and culture change in organizations. A lot of the strategies you're you're employing there are, you know, strategies we use to help organizations change their culture. Connecting with stakeholders, understanding what's going on, exploring the values, the needs, the values conflicts, how we can address those, getting conversation, inclusion, uh, participation, um, open discussion, critical thinking, holding people accountable—all all those kind of elements become essential. So that's you know, I I, I introduce these things to organisations and to leaders with of great training and experience, and they can you know often seem like very new. And scary strategies in order to drive change. So, how did you come across them as being a young person leading this? This I take it you didn't have training in leadership or no. No, I, you I think, I, you know, I
0: come from a family who, you know, my mother's definitely very aware of personal development. And, um, you know, she she's worked in the area of in various different areas, including peace, reconciliation and forgiveness, you know, working with people. And I think that foundation as a a background was really helpful. And then learning it in practice was the best training I could have had. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I come from a a really stable background and wonderful childhood. But there was something in me that made that decision that I wanted to break out, try something new, put myself out of my comfort zone. Just trying to negotiate people's priorities that was really useful during that time. Since then, obviously... Within Digdee, we have professionalised, <laughs> you know, we have staff now. But in those early days, those relationships were really key. That's what helped build the reputation. It's that reputation that has brought us to where we are now. So now we're at a stage where earlier this year, we signed an agreement with the county government in Beaumet. We're the first NGO to work with the government in that way we are bringing together various members of government into something called a WASH Hub, Water Sanitation and Hygiene, where everyone is able to focus on the key priority of providing water sanitation and hygiene for the county. So before, there were various government officials who had their targets. They were going off in different directions. They thought they were meeting their targets, but they were not necessarily talking to each other. So this WASH hub is a space where they can come and actually take a step back, look at the bigger picture, understanding what is the best way to deliver these objectives for the county. So Dig Deep has had that convening power as far as bringing the government officials together, bringing other NGOs who are operating in that area together, engaging with the communities. I think that's a really exciting Mm. example of how our work there is regarded, mm. and how we're looking to bring people together for in long-term partnerships so that the way that we're working can be replicated in the future. That wouldn't have been possible unless we had built those strong relationships. It's really satisfying to see that cycle come to fruition, you know people mm. who have been impacted by our work and recognise what we do and are now in a position to help accelerate that, accelerate the work, accelerate the impact for the rest of the community.
2: Over the course of this journey, and it's quite a journey, how did you do with it all? How was your well-being?
0: I think the big thing for me has been letting go. I can't do mm-hmm. everything. I can't control everything. And understanding my capacity, what is and isn't possible. And actually sharing the load, ensuring that the people who are running Dig Deep, our amazing CEO and you know, country manager and, and staff have the support that they need, have the confidence they need as well to do the best job that they can. And so for me, I think it was that letting go and stepping back.
2: It's funny that the only way a leader can really grow and scale their impact is to let go of control.
0: I think when you've invested so much of yourself in an organisation, you know that blood, sweat, and tears, and the years. You know, I want to grow. I want it to grow. I I want to see this organisation develop. But the best way of doing that is to surround yourself with people who are experts and people who can do it, and ensure that they have, you know, your full support in moving that forward. It's actually really rewarding seeing how other people can take things in new directions and bring new insight and enthusiasm and energy to something that is really important to you. Well,
2: what was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome?
0: I, I struggle sometimes to take risks. I know it sounds a bit ridiculous having said that, you know, we went to Kenya. and <laughs> <laughs> But before then, I had definitely been very, you know, straight down the line, thinking I'm doing the right thing, nothing too challenging. But even having done that, it's that ability to make mistakes, you know, to be able to learn from that and invest in something even better. The biggest challenge recently has been the pandemic across the whole. We dig deep, you know, we didn't know if we were going to be able to continue. Donations that we receive are primarily or were primarily at that time from students doing international challenges, which obviously wasn't possible. I think part of the joy of being a smaller, small to medium sized organization is that we were able to adapt. The team looked at how we could re evaluate our fundraising offer actually developed something really exciting that was shortlisted for an award recently in the Charity Times Award. It was a virtual challenge. So people could walk or run 100 kilometres. As you completed a number of challenges, it would take you on a virtual tour of the county that we work with and deny. So it would start at our office and there would be key points along the way and you completed a certain number of kilometers, it would unlock key information about the communities or the impact.
2: You and, gamified and must... <laughs> your fundraising, that's outstanding.
0: <laughs> um, I love which, it. and you know, that meant that we were able to continue to receive donations, and the team in Kenya were able to adapt. You know, we were asked by the government to deliver hygiene training which is you know our specialist area talking about the importance of hygiene washing your hands wearing masks you know our our team were on the ground and they were able to deliver the training and to respond to the crisis I mean that was an incredibly big challenge for the organization and for the team but they managed to do it and we are still going today
2: (laughs) thank goodness well i mean congratulations for that because i know you know it's had a a huge impact on a lot of people i I am providing a vehicle for people to connect with with making a positive impact is is a powerful thing in itself and it seems to have really driven the whole growth of dig deep i'm kind of curious about then the the other role that you have in terms of Heading up corporate partnerships. You're based with BBC Media Action at the moment. Just saying those three letters is a worldwide brand in itself, which brings things to a lot of people's mind in terms of well, it's dependability and it's robust. So which I imagine builds trust. And that's incredibly important when you're looking to connect organizations with making a positive impact. I'm curious as to what your drive is around there. You you again have an opportunity to to influence impact on on an extraordinary level in that kind of way. What's your driver? What what makes you see that as such an, an important investment of your time?
0: Well, I think my experience in Dig Deep over the years then obviously shaped my career. I went into working in the third sector for some of the biggest most recognisable charity brands. So very interesting working at, at the time, what was probably one of the smallest, and then one of the biggest. I worked for Cancer Research UK. Um, I led some global partnerships at UNICEF, and now at BBC Media Action, the BBC's international development charity. And I think the drive for me is understanding the impact that you can make, but also how that impact can be so much bigger and more meaningful when it's done in collaboration and you are working with others. I've obviously focused on the kind of corporate partnerships side, because there are just so many opportunities for collaboration and creative thinking as well, I think, around Mm -hmm. how change can happen and how you can influence impact yes there are key beneficiaries that you may be supporting through partnership but also how you can talk about businesses approach you know to purpose you know there's the whole b corp movement businesses are thinking about how they position themselves You know, what started as corporate social responsibility, now a focus on ESG, environmental, social, and governance. It's becoming more and more vital that businesses are ensuring that there is a strand in their businesses and that they are weaving it in to their core priorities. And it's not just that there's CSR team in the corner of the business that no one really engages with and they do their own thing it's something now where all stakeholders within a business need to be bought into you know there's more and more evidence now that businesses that can demonstrate their purpose positive impact on the world you know people planet it helps drive profit for them when I used to work At UNICEF, I work really closely with Unilever. And I remember at that time, Paul Polman had established his Unilever Sustainable Living Plan, which some of the shareholders were up in arms saying, you know, you need to focus on driving short term profits. Mm. And, you know, that was a business looking at what can we do longer term that's going to support what's needed in the world, but will also help us drive sales. And at BBC Media Action, we are, I think, one of the strengths that we have is working with businesses to understand what it is that's is part of their core business, um, that they can help to support organisations with. So it may well be their products or services. So you've got the gift in kind or pro bono side of a partnership that really kind of highlights how their key services can be used to support other organisations, which is part of the wider thinking of what more multifaceted partnerships look like.
2: It can have a real impact, I think. Perhaps as we kind of sketch out Our beeline for this episode of of understanding how we can close some of those gaps. And if we're leaders in organizations looking to contribute and drive change and engage our teams in a positive way in that way, then we're kind of sketching out what great looks like here, aren't we? Because it's it's that you have a team that's engaged, it's in line with your sense of purpose, that the work that we do is aligned in some way. I got the sense that, you know, this area of thinking creatively as well really makes a a positive impact. So you're actually. Helping organizations bring their expertise into making a positive impact in a way which creates tremendous connection with the cause right rather than hey, we donated this much hooray one cheers uh, at the end of year and then we all walk away and forget about it right you're actually creating entanglement with these organizations
0: exactly I think yes there's a philanthropic part to play, which is great where businesses are able to donate to good causes and you know that cash is incredibly important then there's the opportunity to take that a step further into a more strategic partnership that has really clear advantages and benefits to both the business and the cause the the charity and I think when you're able to do that and really align those priorities that's that's almost like a sweet spot, isn't it? You, you know, you're, you're really understanding the business. The business really understands the cause. And there's buy-in across both organisations at all levels, across all stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You're able to pull together joint objectives that are really measurable, that, you know, people understand and know how you're going to meet them tangibly. <laughs> um, you know, you have got some examples where businesses are, pulling together targets without any numbers behind it. So you're not quite sure how they're going to reach them. So I think those uh, measurable targets and objectives are really important. You know, linking it to the wider picture, you've got the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which are there to really help shape everyone's priorities, to help gain momentum, to help, you know, deliver what's needed to support our planet. And then open, clear regular dialogue is so important um, with partners if things are going well that's great if they're not going well you need to be able to talk about it and along with that comes trust you know you want to be able to trust each other and then you're able to communicate on the impact of what you've done and it's that storytelling piece that really creates change for the business I think Because then you've got your internal communication, so you can engage staff with what you're doing, which helps with retention, helps with morale. You've got, um, you know, the external communication piece, which helps with recruitment. People are, you know, more and more savvy when they are choosing which employee they want to to go for. um, Knowing that there's something that differentiates the business, you know, that they have a purpose, really helps them stand out. You've got customer engagement able to articulate what the purpose of the business is, what cause you're supporting, which helps drive loyalty, which ultimately helps drive sales. you know you're increasing potentially increasing brand awareness or you know associating brand um, with good cause, which helps increase that bottom line and and income. So I think there's real opportunity for strategic partnerships to become more common you know it doesn't have to be a large charity and a a large organization you know even smaller medium-sized organizations and businesses can be looking to work that way being creative there are different ways that you can work together you know whether it's utilising pro bono their their products and services volunteering you've got advocacy sponsorship but obviously alongside all of these to make a really kind of coherent partnership there is always an element of cash (laughs) you know but (laughs) that's what makes the world turn around isn't it you know a charity is always going to need cash to be able to Continue its work, and I think that demonstrates commitment from an organisation as well,
2: and
0: yeah. um, that they are committed. And um, yes, there are all the other things they can be doing too, but that that creates a really kind of strong partnership.
2: Ex- you, you've just outlined extraordinary return on investment. Frankly, there's so much there that can be very, very costly to generate if you try to do it through through branding positioning mm. and, and a funky ad right it if you're actually invested in ger- driving that change to create all that engagement, it's a really positive thing so i do have to ask then what does the bad look like what does it look like when you do have an organization that is looking to make some kind of contribution uh can can that be a bad thing? Can we even have bad corporate contributions and things to a to a worthy cause?
0: I think that's a good question. I think um, I think it depends on how it's being positioned, you know, and if it's an authentic, transparent support that's being given. Obviously, you've got issues around greenwashing, targets that that are not measurable, commitments that that can't be followed through. I think, you know, the general public and other businesses are are getting savvier to that and that you need to be able to demonstrate clear support and to be able to talk about what impact you've had and how. And I don't think you can really fudge it now. I mm. think people are aware, <laughs> but some people do try to almost kind of get away with looking like that they're supporting when actually they haven't but I mean look not all partnerships need to be strategic there's definitely a time and a place for philanthropic giving cash donations especially unrestricted donations you know that's money that charities can use to channel where it's needed most you know we're we're talking about adapting and being agile and actually it's that those kind of reserves that allow organizations to innovate, that's really important as well. But I think it's just around being really clear what the intention is.
2: I'm thinking about this idea of the uh, of the 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 white knight syndrome or indeed the the white saviour syndrome which has been a, a kind of an emerging understanding that you know turning up in a culture outside of your own to come and save the day isn't necessarily healthy or helpful exactly. in situations and I was just wondering if you could speak to that a little bit because you know there's a lot coming up here you flying out to canyon yeah there's there's also you know as you know the, the developed north corporations coming in to try and get involved somewhere else. so it looks good on our um, corporate website I mean how, how do we address that what's your thinking around that
0: it's a really important question and it's one that people are much more aware of um, at the moment which is great it's a question that we come to time and again you know we we have a number of members of staff well obviously all our members of staff in kenya are kenyan we're looking you know to expand the board Um, so there's representation and it is something that we come to time and again i think a lot of organizations are looking at the way that they're structured and how they've been structured historically and what they need to shift moving forward. And so I think with businesses it's around investing in the right charitable organisations that are aware of their impact, that are able to demonstrate what it is that they're doing in local communities, that are able to talk about, you know, how they are consulting, what their future approach is in the context of international development ensuring that there is support of global south and that it's around capacity building i mean that's our key focus really it's around capacity building and i think for a lot of organizations that's the way i mean at bbc media action we're about we focus a lot on mentoring mentoring other journalists um, so that they can approach their work Um, in the most effective way possible and they can you know continue the the key themes that we talk about with them but I think that's something that is is a really important point that is something that needs to continue to stay at the forefront but I think we're at a stage of evolution in that area.
2: For sure and it sounds to me like the the big influence there is is connecting with the stakeholders in the environment you're looking to impact and involving them right from the very start in informing and shaping that project. As you do that, you build capacity, right? Because yeah, you're increasing exactly. influence and exposing to those challenges and raising awareness and all those kinds of elements that can make such a big impact. I'm also recognizing that just the sheer importance of um, if you want to make an impact, I forget what the, the origins of the study, but Um, It was something like if there was one cause that you could invest in that could have the biggest impact on raising a country out of poverty, it would be to invest in women.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: You're you're investing in a community that enabled the women and, and girls of that community to invest more in education. Contribute to the community, raise that voice, other issues get brought to the table, that influence grows, it has such a profound impact. And I imagine you've seen that impact, you know, grow and grow over time, which is an incredible thing to witness. Your biggest takeaway from the journey?
0: Oh, gosh, good question. I think it's um, not to be afraid to try something new. And if it's something you really believe in and are passionate about it, then give it all the energy you have.
2: This means we're going to be, that last piece of business would be what defining this beeline. If we are a corporate organization, I'm a leader that's wanting to engage my my business and my team in having a positive impact in, in the world beyond. And I'm in a place where currently there's an element of tokenism. There is perhaps occasionally random donations that, while valued, don't really resonate with the team. I'm feeling that people, my team aren't really connected with the the impact that we're looking to make in the wider community. And I'm under scrutiny for corporate social responsibility, for ESG goals, and I'm being held accountable for perhaps the negative impacts that I'm making in my organization. How do I get from there to this point where we are actively engaged with strong partnerships, with a cause and a purpose which is really aligned with our own, that is inspiring, that's engaging for my team, that's enabling them to have positive impact and to lead that positive impact in such a way that it's also creating a, a good return on investment, a visible positive impact in my own business as well. How do I get there? How do I close that gap? What's the B line?
0: I think you've got a lot around internal stakeholder management internal influencing as far as ensuring that everyone's on board with what the plan is to move into something a bit more streamlined to move into something that is going to be integral to the business looking at you know what cause could align well with the business with the priorities where are there clear synergies where could you identify clear opportunities that make sense when you're talking about it and you're storytelling and you know you're communicating about it, customers or employees are not having to make a real mental leap to, to see the link. <laughs> uh, that definitely makes it easier. And then having those conversations with charities or, or organizations that can help create a partnership, a meaningful partnership that is going to deliver both for the business. And also deliver effectively and authentically for the charity and the cause and have tangible impact.
2: Where's our UNICEF to our Unilever? I mean, when you just put those two brand names together immediately, it it wasn't a huge leap for me. And then you can start going beyond that and understanding the roots of that, that it's not just clever, you know, being clever with the letters, there's a real alignment there as well.
0: Exactly. Exactly, and I mean that was was built into most brands. I think most brands now, at Unilever, need to have a purpose. They understand the need for it, but also the impact on their brands and their sales, and you know the whole process and the whole cycle of you know where where the products come from, what impact it's having on the planet, how it's engaging consumers. The, there are Some really exciting opportunities out there, and you know, creative ways of thinking. And it's not always necessarily the first thing that comes to mind. Sometimes there can be a bit of kind of creative license to see what works and what doesn't work but the key thing is having those conversations to understand what they do because you might be making assumptions you know unless you've really spent the time researching it's worthwhile investing in understanding the way that they work and the impact they have and whether there's something there that's going to help create a strong partnership moving forward.
2: Joe, we can't let you go without actually helping people understand how they can support Dig Deep. It's such an extraordinary project. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're aiming to achieve and how we can help you?
0: Well, we are part of the Big Give Christmas Challenge this year, which is fantastic. So it's the UK's biggest match funding campaign. And this year it's taking taking place between midday on the 29th of November and midday on the 6th of December. So that means that all donations made to Dig Deep's projects will be doubled. So they'll be matched up to £20,000. That could help roll out life-saving interventions for 15,000 children and family members in Bomec County. So it's a real opportunity to leverage funding and make those donations go so much further.
2: That sounds amazing. So where do we go? How do we give?
0: go to www.digdeep.org.uk and you'll be able to pledge directly through the website for the Big Give Christmas Challenge.
2: And if I'm a corporate partner and I'm inspired by the idea about how things like communication and connection and getting the message across can really make a difference, how can I help there?
0: Well, get in touch and I'm happy to have a discussion, understand what your priorities are, what your needs are, and what we could do to potentially work together moving forward and supporting communication for development.
2: Joe, if there is a leader out there who would like to understand more how they can help, how can they reach you?
0: LinkedIn, I have to say. Message me on LinkedIn. You know, really happy to have conversation or coffee. I'm not so active on my posting, but I'm there. <laughs> And I'm more about, you know, face-to-face or, or virtual discussions. So, yeah, really open to hearing from anyone. If you want to send me a message, please do.
2: BBC Media Action is an extraordinary thing to be part of. Got no doubt there. So I'm sure that a lot of people could uh, really relish the opportunity to have that conversation with you. Joe. thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Good to see you.
1: Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss next week's episode still on the theme of well-being when andrew talks to chris highland entrepreneur and co-founder of the happiness index if you're interested to know more or could do with a reminder about today's episode or any of the other episodes in this series of beeline i've collated some notes links and resources for you to explore and download at www.consultthehive.com forward slash beeline The Hive Change Consultancy provides radically effective training, coaching, and facilitation that enables a dynamic shift in leaders, sales teams, and entire organizational cultures. Get in touch today for an informal chat with one of our team. My name's Gemma Aston, and you've been listening to Beeline Lead the Way.